All right, it's the 134th episode of the Brian Hornback Experience, and we have another uh, person running for City of Knoxville 2023 elections. Uh, it's none other than City Councilwoman Lynn Fugit. Lynn, how are you? I'm doing well, Brian. How are you? I'm good. So you're on City Council at-large seat A. There's actually yes. three at-large seats. Uh, you've served for about four years, and apparently you've... Uh, done a good enough job that at least you've drawn an opponent, right? I, I suppose that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so um, the last four years have been interesting. Uh, you went through, uh, obviously, you and the mayor both uh, were newbies a year ago because the mayor's up for re-election, but um, y'all went through a pandemic. Uh, you went through a lot of stuff. Uh, you've gone through... Uh, couple of police chiefs um so looking back uh what what do you have to say about the last four years and then we'll, we'll run through the you've got about five items uh that are kind of your camp re-election campaign platforms but just kind of talk briefly about the last four years well I, i'm tired of the word unprecedented but it truly <laughs> has been um you know who would have thought when we took office in december the things that were coming at us less mm. than about 90 days later. Yep. You know, you think you're going into a regular cycle of being a city council person and you're going to move along with a regular agenda. And then the pandemic really, um, in some ways, Brian, it almost feels like we just got elected mm. because it's really only been in the last couple of years that we've really been able to, I think, start working on in a, in a large way, more city issues without the pandemic looming overhead. Well, and I mean, you also, so yeah, so y'all took office uh, middle of September of 2019. No, er, December. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What, what, what month did I say? <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah. So it's I, I meant December. I think September because yeah. the county always starts in September. But anyway, yeah. yeah so y'all started the middle of December, twenty nineteen, um, and I mean everything shut down. Like I know uh, the wife and I went to our, our last concert uh, first of March of twenty twenty. Yeah. So and so really for a year or so, y'all met via Zoom elect yeah, electronically. At least a year. At least Right. It kind of felt a little like the Brady Bunch on, right. on the camera, on the um, screen. But, um, you know, we continued to do the work of the city and the work got done. But the pandemic was large overhead and then over, overshadowing that. And then um, the, the racial tensions that began happening um, with the George Floyd issue and some of that um, came to Knoxville, too. Well, and, you know... We were, we were very lucky as a city. Well, you did, and, and you know, I, I um, we'll get back to that. Uh, just to kind of reintroduce you, I, I failed to do that as we got started, but you, you grew up in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, your mom was an educator. Dad was an entrepreneur, but you came to UT, uh, and I guess just kind of, uh, first of all, you met your husband, Scott, uh, here, and, and you graduated here, and I guess you all just kind of stayed here, right? Uh, and we have raised our two adult sons. 
sons here. And, um, yeah, and from the day I got here, um, really started getting involved in the community and fell in love with Knoxville in a whole different way as an adult than you experience it when you're a UT student. Right, and both your both your sons are married, and, and you have a couple of grandkids already, so... Well, and so, um, you know, like you say, you, you've had, uh, you've been in the banking industry, but you've been involved in the community. You helped lead uh, Nine Counties One Vision back 23 years ago. Um, yes. Then uh, you served uh, a, a couple, a couple of terms on the school board, uh, and so uh, I'm sure, uh, as someone who still suffers from PTSD from being on the school board, I'm sure that's, um, I'm sure you still have the battle scars from that, but. Um, you know, it's um, obviously you've been involved, and so you have a record, and and uh, you know, it's. Um, I don't think it's. Uh, from what I can tell, there's nothing. There's nothing. You've not been negatively impacted uh, by the mainstream media, or at least BrianHornback.com in any of those uh, capacities. So I guess you're doing a pretty good job. Thank you. I'd like to think so. You know, Brian, I think um, I just really tried to think about what's the best thing for whatever body I'm serving on, whether it's a board, the school board, a community board, or city council. And um, so I try to listen to all sides of an issue and make a decision. And so far, um, you know, well, and I don't have it perfect, but no, I well, have done all right. No, no, nobody has it perfect. But, you know, I, I think... Um, Probably uh, what's helped you is you know, from Nine Counties One Vision, you had to think from a from a fifty thousand uh, foot view because uh, you're looking at nine counties um, and and you're 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 involving uh, stakeholders from all those areas. But then when you get on school board, you were representing the fourth district, which is uh, predominantly West Knoxville, Sequoia Hills, Rocky Hill, um, and so right, and so you got. Right, so you got you got that dynamic, and so, but then when you get elected city council at large, you get to think again from a broader perspective of trying to represent the whole city, uh, and so you know that's that's the interesting dynamic for the three of you that are at large on city council and the two that are on at large on the county commission is that you know you can, I guess you your phone rings a lot more because everybody in the city thinks that you represent them. And you do, but uh, at the same time, um, you don't have to always just adhere to that one district view. Is that does that kind of sum it up right? It does, and you mentioned nine counties on vision. I really do think that was a great um, experience to help me learn to know that there are lots of people with lots of opinions who all want the best thing for their city or their whatever. They may just have a different viewpoint about how you get there, but you really have to listen to all of that. And that's, and that is why I like being at large because you do look at it from a citywide perspective. Well, and when you start going through the nine counties, um, man, they're so different. I mean, you could go to Anderson County and it's a very different dynamic than it is in Roan County or, or Blount County or, or in the other counties, uh, and so I mean, it is very, it is very interesting to see how East Tennessee is made up and uh, what the uh, what the thought process is for all those counties. But 
let's talk about the next four years. Um, you got uh, on your on on your website, which is Lynn Fugate City Council. That's L Y N N E F U G A T E City Council.com. And you can also find Lynn Fugate City Council on Facebook using the same the same um, search on Facebook. Uh, first thing you have is affordable housing. I know the city has really worked on affordable housing. Um, there's been some uh, affordable housing developments that the city has helped to attract, um, get approved, whatever the process is for that. So kind of talk about where you where, where the city's at on affordable housing, kind of where you think it's going to be the next four years, because I think that's really the, I know we're doing this on Sunday, August the um, 6th. Uh, just saw in Tennessee this week, they were talking about uh, affordable housing. That is the hot topic uh, item. I mean, I remember when my wife and I bought our first house in 92, we bought it for less than 60,000 and I looked it up the other day and it's a $300,000 house. It's kind of crazy, yeah. but, but anyway, kind of talk about where we've been and where you think we're going the next four years on affordable housing. Okay. Well, you may have to cut me off if I start talking too much. Oh, that. you're good. Um, so, um, you know, there's affordable housing and housing affordability. They're kind of the same and they're kind of different. Yep. Um, affordable housing often is the term used to help people at the lowest end of the economic strata who really have a hard time finding anything that they can live in that they can afford. And um, over 30 years ago, I was on a task force that then created Knox Housing Partnership, which is now Home Source. And we were the first affordable housing nonprofit in Knox County. So got a lot of experience with that on the board for 15 years and president for five. And we really worked to build housing that required subsidies, government subsidies, to keep uh, the price low enough that a family that made between 50 and 80 percent of area median income could afford it. And that is still going on. The city has spent a lot of effort in the last few years um, trying to increase that housing stock. They've done it with some permanent supportive housing for people who need um, more case management to help mm. them stay in housing and keep it affordable. They've done it with, by building apartments um, to help with affordability. And then the other, pro the other issue we have is the affordability piece and that there are not enough houses for the people who want them, no matter your income, they've gone up so high, they may not be as affordable to people as they used to be. Mm. And that that's creating a whole nother dynamic and we're just gonna have to build more houses, uh, increase the housing stock to help, you know, that's old econ, supply and demand. Right. Um, one of the things that I will say that they don't, you don't hear a lot of people talk about I think a couple of things that really got us to where we are with that are when I was a banker back in 2008 um, and we had the recession and there were a lot of small home builders, small by, I mean, you know, building 20 to 30 houses a year. Well, during the recession, they all went out of business. Right. And they didn't come back. The tradespeople that were doing that found other things to do. So fast forward, here we are 15 years later. We hadn't built a whole lot of stock because some of the people building it were no longer there. 
everybody's discovered everything we worked on 20-something years ago. Everybody find out how great it is to live in Knoxville, and Knoxville so fantastic people want to move here. And all that collided at a time of inflation, and it's put extreme pressure on our housing pricing. Well, and the other thing is, I mean, I know it's going on with housing, uh, as much as it is with groceries, I mean, a dozen eggs cost about as much as a gallon of gas yeah. these days. Inflation's but, not helping. But, you know, it's it's amazing to uh, start to decide to go down the rabbit hole of doing a search for, oh, I wonder what those apartments near me are, are running, and they're running 1600 or $2,000, and it's it's just kind of crazy. But um, I know that's, that's something y'all are going to have to deal with. I think uh, there's some folks coming to city council on uh, this coming Tuesday, which will be August the 8th to talk to y'all about that too. So I'm sure that's something yeah. we'll continue to hear about. Public safety and the accountability for uh, public safety. I know y'all have um, really worked to increase the pay for um, a lot for KPD and for your fire department and your first responders. Uh, y'all implemented body cameras in the last uh, four years while you've been on, while you've been on um, council. Uh, yes. So kind of talk about uh, that and then what you think the next four years can help on public safety. Well, we do, um, you know, we did have to um, increase pay to uh, keep some people from retiring, keep some people from leaving to go to private sector and to increase the likelihood that other people go into the professions. But um, the body camera issue is an interesting one because the police were happy to have it. Uh, it's great for accountability for citizens and police to know exactly what happens um, when there's an encounter with citizens. Um, and it shows the good, the bad, and the, and the ugly, and we need to know that and, and correct that. Right. Um, so that's been good. The other thing that I think um, the chief has done um, is, um, you know, really look at policies, procedures, um, done some work on internal affairs, getting this C-21 um, group to come in and look at um, culture and processes that the police department needs to put in place to um, increase accountability with our police force and um, help, help citizens feel good about their police. Our police are really hardworking um, heroes um, keeping us safe um, but like every profession not everybody's perfect all the time and they do and mistakes are made and you have to address those as soon as they happen right and then you've also uh, on your website taken a pledge to support the expansion of the co-response team uh, to respond to mental health emergency calls I know y'all had a very long yes. a very long meeting I called it four hours and somebody said it was only three hours I said well they actually had dinner. They actually had dinner for the first hour before that. But um, this is true. So, uh, but y'all, y'all had uh, some discussion about that, and, and that was actually, um, it was actually an interesting discussion, especially here the uh, co-response report from Knoxville Heart and those folks. But yeah, uh, kind of talk I about that. Say, if I can, yep. I think co-response is really key. I mean, we know we hear all the time that we have a mental health um, crisis as well coming out of the COVID, mental health has gotten worse. Um, and uh, I remember years ago, going way back in your mind, Brian, to, Phil Chief, to Police Chief Phil Keith. 
and he used to say at five o'clock the police show up for every problem mm. and and sometimes they're not the people who have the best skill set to handle something i you'll appreciate this having been on the board of education too i said right now as a society we tend to ask teachers and police to handle everything right and they're not really trained and equipped for it so the schools are adding more school counselors uh, to help students and this co-responder to go out with a police officer um, to calls that we're not quite sure of what needs to be done it has by all accounts worked well uh, they de-escalate very few people are then taken to jail but when somebody calls 911 you don't know what to send other than the police right you know and so that's that's the co-responder unit this alternative response unit that people are talking about will take a lot it's a lot more complicated right will take a lot more study on how to do it but the co-response unit seems to be working uh well and it is um letting police do more of what they are trained and want to do and um helping our citizens who are in a tough spot not um get into not have something escalate right so kub broadband that's happened in the last uh two years yes. uh so certainly within your uh first four years uh how's that going um everything appear to be uh going along well yes it uh, it is the people who have the kub broadband seem very pleased it is they're moving right along with it they um started in the parts of the city that really didn't have much service at all. Um, and so that seems to be going well. Um, KUB also covers um, a large swath of Union County that didn't have any um, any internet service. So by, being, by allowing KUB to offer that service, we're also helping uh, one of our neighboring counties to get it as well. But they're working in the city of Knoxville first and um, moving that along. I wasn't sure that I liked that when it was first proposed, but uh, after KUB did it, now LCUB's doing it, which uh, covers a lot of the uh, deep West Knox County areas. So it appears to be, uh, at least I guess it's leveling the uh, playing field for the uh, for the folks that offer Wi-Fi that uh, sometimes prices it out of the market for some folks. It's true. I, I, when we did that, I mean, you know, I'm, I come from private sector and government and Let's talk about neighborhoods, greenways, sidewalks. Uh, I know uh, one of our previous mayors, several mayors ago, uh, spent a lot of time, a lot of money on parks and greenways, and seems like it's always in the budget. Uh, we've done a, the city's done a phenomenal job at Lakeshore Park, creating probably what would be deemed a world-class park. 
but um, talk about uh, what's happened the last four years with greenways and sidewalks and. So, um, thanks for asking that question. So, Lakeshore is also it is a world class park, but there's a lot of private money into that. Right. It's not city taxpayers paying for all that, but the a lot of the money you see in the budget for greenways and parks now is a lot of maintenance. Mm. Um, we're not adding a whole lot of brand new parks, but we have improved the parks um, throughout the city. Um, the greenways, uh, we're still trying to work on making greenways connected. Way back 23 years ago with the Nine Counties One Vision, that was one of the things pe people in the community said they really wanted. They wanted greenways to connect so you could ride a bike or walk or um, travel without always having to be on a road and um, get across our city and county for that matter with um with the greenways and that seems to be working as well well and you know before we finish up i guess uh the one thing i haven't talked about that seems to always come up in a city uh campaign is the downtown baseball stadium i know uh County Commission approved it uh, 11 to 0. Um, City Council approved it uh, 8 to 1. Um, it's uh, The cranes are up. Uh, every morning as I drive into downtown, I see at least two, maybe three cranes. So the baseball stadium's coming up. There's a, a lot of uh, activity down there. There's no way to... Um, there's no way to to not do the baseball stadium because it's approved. The Sports Authority's doing it. So uh, kind of talk about the baseball stadium and, and all that development and then I guess we've covered just about everything. Okay. Well I do think um you know the baseball stadium is going to be an economic catalyst for um another part of downtown heading toward East Knoxville. The urban wilderness has been an economic catalyst for South Knoxville. So you know and the city invested a lot of money in downtown originally to get downtown to be the economic catalyst that it is. And um, Brian, you and I have been around long enough. I can remember when the convention center was mm. being built. Everybody thought that was a horrible thing. Why would you spend money on that? It'll never pay for itself. Um, but without the convention center, we wouldn't have all the conventions we have that bring a lot of tax revenue into our city and county. The baseball stadium should be that kind of impact to our city as well. Well, I guess I ought to quit calling it a baseball stadium because it's going to be a multi-use stadium. It's I know a multi-use stadium. Because it's got soccer, soccer clubs going to use it. Uh, some smaller, some smaller recording artists uh, will be able to use it for concerts. Right. So it's not. And other community events. Right. So it's a multi-use stadium. And it's gonna have it's gonna have residential. I mean, I, from what I understand, the uh, the condos may, for the most part, already be sold out, and they haven't even built the darn things yet. So absolutely. So it is gonna drive more energy um, down in the old city area and on east. Right. So I think it'll be an exciting time. Well, we'll remind everybody that the primary election is August the 29th. Um, Starts Wednesday, Wednesday, August 9th. What runs August 9th through the 25th of August. Uh, and uh, obviously all those early vote locations will be up there. You can find Lynn. Obviously, uh, you can just search Lynn Fugit, L-Y-N-N-E, or you can just do lynnfugitcitycouncil.com. 
Search for Lynn Fugit City Council on Facebook. And Lynn, I'll give you the last few minutes to say whatever you want to say and be sure and ask for everybody's vote. And I do want to say before we hang up that it is a nonpartisan election still. That's going to change in the next couple of years. But this year it is nonpartisan. And uh, you do have uh, supporters on both sides of the aisle. I know that. Uh, yes, I, I was pleased to be endorsed by all three of the last elected uh, mayors in the city of Knoxville. So, Aslan, Madeline Rogero, and India. I think that's, I think that's important to note. Um, you know... I say all the time uh, in my time as elected official, you know, you hope that when you get elected that, you know, when you run for re-election, you've, you've successfully been re-elected to the school board, and I think you'll be uh, successfully re-elected uh, uh, August and November uh, of 23, but um, you just kind of hope that you can keep uh, fewer people uh, upset, fewer people upset with you. Uh, then, then can then we'll vote for you. But you know, I do think it's important that people get out and vote. Um, in in the event that there's not a, um, a not a runoff for mayor or for uh, judge, then uh, the number of people voting in November is going to be lower. So we're just going to have to continue to remind folks: get out, get out Aug August 29th, uh, August 9th through the 25th, and then we'll continue to hammer that in October. Uh, and also on November 7th of 2023. So good luck to you. Thanks for being on here. Thank you for having me. I absolutely. really appreciate it. And from what I understand, you show up to every event that you are invited to, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. So anyway, all possible. that's right. So I, I do appreciate you coming out to my center city meeting and, uh, yes. and, and people that like to like to throw stones. Uh, Lynn will show up if she's invited and um, nine times out of 10, she will make it out on her effort. And she made it on her effort to be on the Brian Hornback experience. So that's yeah, important. Well, I want to, I, can I just say one last sure. thing? I know you gotta close. I, nobody's gonna agree with me on 100% of things. My, I've been married almost 36 years. We don't agree on everything. But I am really trying to do the right thing for our city. And I will explain why I voted the way I voted. You may disagree, but I, I, do, I want people to know there's a reason why I vote the way I vote. It's not just because. Right. I really give it a lot of thought. Well, yeah, uh, that's interesting. You mentioned you've been married th uh, 36 years. My wife and I have been married 35, and I know that I don't even agree with myself sometimes. So, um, I, and I and I, <laughs> and, and, and I and I know she don't agree with me a lot of the times either. But you know, you just but uh, I do think I do think you've. Uh, you, you've encountered the best and the worst in both your elected positions and uh, wish you well and uh, anything Thank I can you. do to help get the word out, I'll do it. Thank you, 
Thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. Talk to you soon. See. Bye.